Well, God is good, isn't he? I always love just how he shows up and the way he weaves things together in a way that, you know, you just can't uh, explain. He just is so good. And, uh, you know, I was just sitting on the front row during that prayer time, and uh, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just happy. You know, I feel like, have you ever seen the movie Elf? And he's like, why are you smiling? And, and he's like, smiling's my favorite. I just like smiling. And that's how, to, how I feel. I'm just like, I just want to smile. I just feel and sense God's joy. And, uh, you know, can I just share something before I even start preaching? Is this going to be a problem, this mic? Because I think the problem could be like that I'm wearing a flowy dress and the microphone is in that pocket. So I'll try to do my best. I can switch to handheld if I need to. Uh, I just want to share with you, because uh, I think some of you might need to hear it, especially even some of you that just got prayed for. You know, sometimes there's things that are spoken over your life or that God tells you directly, and you just get the choice whether you're going to go with that or not. You know what I'm saying? So at the beginning of the year, I've had all of these interactions with the Lord. At the beginning of the year, um, God just gave me this promise that said, I'm, I'm going to pull you into joy. And then I had this, this moment uh, several, like a, a month ago or more, um, just in my personal time with the Lord, where I just heard him declaring joy over me in Polish, of all things. It was really fascinating. I've never had that kind of interaction. And it was just the word joy, and he was just speaking it over me. And uh, so I was like, that's interesting. And then um, on Thursday morning, I have some ladies that come to my house, and, and two of them uh, gave me a word that just said, we, we just hear, like, the word joy for you. And I was like, that's interesting. God just keeps saying these things, right? And uh, so I, I got up this morning, and I'm generally a pretty up person and a happy person, but I think joy is different than that. And so this morning, I was just getting ready, and I just thought, you know, God, I'm just going to say to you this morning that I believe you. Like, all of those things that you've been speaking over me, instead of just waiting for the feeling to come, can I just say that I'm going to believe you? I believe that promise is for me. I believe that you're pulling me into joy. I believe that it's amazing, right? So I just said that this morning. Nothing amazing happened while I was getting ready. But all of a sudden, when I was just sitting here and no one's talking and you guys are just praying over people, it just like hit me. I was like... This is what joy is right here. Like I can't stop smiling. I'm just feeling it. And there's something powerful about just agreeing with what the Holy Spirit is saying over your life. So for those of you who just got prayed for, you've been receiving things, um, instead of just like waiting for it to magically happen for you, which, you know, there is a point of waiting for our promise, but what would happen if you just decided, I don't believe that that's true, God. There is absolutely no reason that I can't be pulled into joy right now. It doesn't have to take a whole year, right? Uh, so I'm just believing that. And, uh, and so sometimes that just unlocks your heart. It's like putting your faith ahead of your feelings. It's, it's stepping out and saying, I don't feel any different and I don't really feel super joyful, but I'm going to believe that that was a word from you, God. And then he just unlocks it. So good. That's not even part of my message, but some of you might have needed that little encouragement. So I just love what God is doing in us as a church family. I think it's so powerful. Uh, you know, about a month ago, we, we had just a breakthrough moment 
in our service together. I really believe uh, that the Lord uh, did something amazing in that moment where we just like yelled for victory and said, we're going to take the land. And um, so that's been kind of a promise that God has said is, is take the land, go ahead and take the land. And I've wrestled with that for a long time saying, I don't even know what that means, God, uh, but he does. And it, you know, the thing about when you reach new places is uh, it's new breakthrough. It's, it's new victory. It's, it's new territory where you activate your faith differently, where you believe for things, where you, where you see an increase of the kingdom of God flourishing. And so I, I was just, as I've been thinking about this, I thought, man, God, where do we go from here? We've had this moment where I really felt like God said, I'm going to break open some things in the church. And, and then where do we go from there? And so, uh, I want to talk about freedom this morning and a little bit different, um, maybe than, than the normal way. But I want to see what, like, what does the Bible say about freedom? If, if we're going to take the land, if we're going to walk in new freedom as a people, if we're going to go to new places, uh, then we can't continue to operate the same way that you've operated in the past. If you move to a new place, then there's new strategy, there's new things, and, uh, and there's new levels of freedom. And so I just want to, I just want to look at freedom kind of from a, pers- a kingdom perspective. And God just brought me back to this time that I've, I've been studying with him over like the last month. And I want to share this with you. It's so good. It's so rich. Uh, so it's Galatians 5. And I'm going to be reading it out of the Passion Translation. Uh, and you know, sometimes, can I just say that switching up your translation, if you're very familiar with your Bible, can be just an amazing thing. Uh, because, you know, I've read one translation primarily for most of my life. And uh, I can find myself reading the scripture and thinking, yes, I know what that says. Um, because I, I've read it so many times, I've memorized it, it's familiar to me. Uh, and then when I read it in a new translation, I'm like, whoa, that's really good. You know, it just kind of makes the scripture come alive in a new way. So uh, that might be something that s- some of you want to explore. But this is so good, you guys. Listen to this definition of freedom. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready for this? It is so good. This is in... Verse 13 in the Passion Translation. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. So I like went over that with the Lord for like 45 minutes one day. <laughs> like, I don't think I know. I don't think I know what this means for real. Because, you know, sometimes we make freedom all about us. We press in for freedom, we need freedom from this, we need freedom from that, and we make freedom something that's just all about us. And while freedom is for us, it's, it's really meant to be offered to other people. And I loved this whole idea of living a life of freedom. Don't view your wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. 
Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. For love completes the laws of God. I'm just going to read a whole bunch of scripture to you. Can I do that? Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and speak to our hearts as we read your word that's alive and active. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care and love for yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against one another over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. But when you're brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, Chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get their way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addiction, wild parties, and other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace That subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Isn't that rich? When you begin to view freedom this way, it's rich. So I, want, I, I will give a little disclaimer here. That's the fruit of the spirit passage. If you didn't recognize it, uh, I studied this out. It was very fascinating. So there's kind of like a, uh, an implied something in the original text that fruit would be singular, that fruit is love. 
and that it manifests in all its varied forms. So this translator has chosen to put together like an action word for each of the virtues because the virtues that love produces in you are supposed to be not like ambiguous, like, oh, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, we could sing the song. Um, But it's supposed to be something that's actually flowing out of our lives in action. It's a verb. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, in all of its varied expressions, manifesting itself in joy that overflows, peace that subdues. Isn't that powerful? I like that, that idea because, you know, I think sometimes you can just make the little list of all the things and we go for that, like I need to have more self-control and I need to have patience. And I love this idea of like it's love working in me that's causing action to come out where you see peace subduing things around me, where you see kindness in action, where you see joy overflowing. I think it's powerful. So anyway, I just love, I love this whole idea of freedom. And, you know, the first thing that that I want us to get in freedom is once you reach a new level, when you begin to take the land, we don't want to set up our base of operations in the natural realm. I love that translation. Don't set up your base of operations in the natural realm. Like you are free. Now don't, don't do that. What that means is we, we sometimes say, okay, I got all this freedom and now I'm just going to live here in this realm and just do whatever I want with it. Cause I'm free. But if, If freedom flows from the spirit realm and manifests itself in the natural realm, then if you set up your base of operations in the natural realm, you have nowhere else to go. But if you set up a base of operations out of the spirit realm, out of what God is doing in your spirit, then it's always flowing out of your spirit into the natural. Whereas if we say, I'm going to try to manage my freedom from this world, then that's when you kind of get so tied up in all of the the self-life and all of the cravings of that because you're not connected and moving and operating out of what God is doing in your spirit. Does that make sense? And the other thing that I think is so critical about new levels of freedom is we must allow it to release love and honor in our hearts. Man, did you hear this, you know, sometimes it's easy. We can get like all caught up in like, how do they define it? The cravings of your self life, right? Or your flesh, or there's all different translations of that. And we can all get so caught up in the people who are, uh, you know, the craving, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, murder, you know, addiction. We're like, yeah, those people need to get free from that. That's your self life, man. Um, but can I just say when I've been camping in the scripture, I have spent more time on my face weeping before the Lord. For chasing things instead of God. Or for being in love with my own opinion. For only thinking of myself. Do you understand that those are things of our flesh? That must come down. And when we, when we enter into freedom and we say it's more than just freedom of addiction. It's more than just freedom so I can live my life. When we understand that the purpose of freedom is so that I can love you 
with unabandoned and honor you and delight in who you are above whatever my opinion is. That is when we reach real freedom, when we can come into relationship with each other, with, with where we have lost all self-indulgence and and are only for one another. I mean, did you, did you get what he said? If you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, this, like he's addressing things. It's not like this big, massive fight. It's like saying there's sometimes we get so caught up in these minor issues and we can begin to devour one another because we don't honor and we don't love. And if you are acting that way, then you still need freedom in your life. If you are someone who is causing division, who is, who is dishonoring people, you have not understood what freedom really is. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgent that we become servants of one another. Expressing love in all we do. What would your life look like if you got a hold of that? What would my life look like if I got a hold of that? How do we do that? <laughs> how, do we, how do we get to that place of freedom where our spirit life is winning more than our self life, where we're, where we're becoming servants of all, where we're laying down our lives and honoring and loving. And I believe it's about our connection and our posture in the spirit. And I want to look at uh, the life of Mary today because it's so good. You guys, I've just been enjoying studying my Bible. If you're not reading your Bible, you should, because you should fall in love with it. It's so good. I've just been like studying and I'm like, I'm putting it all in the sermon. All of it. You guys are getting all of it from the last like six weeks, okay? I'm meshing it all together. I want to look at the life of Mary. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, because I found something interesting about her. She's mentioned three times in the Bible. And every single time she is bowed down at the feet of Jesus. I never realized it. Every single time. The first time she shows up is in Luke chapter 10. I'll tell you some of these stories and I'll read some of them. We'll see. And I think, I think we can just look at her life and pull out a few things that says, okay, this is how, this is how we get to this point. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus. You know she's exasperated if she's interrupting Jesus, right? Lord, 
Don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. And the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. That's the first story of Mary, and we could preach a whole sermon on that because we live in a Martha kind of world, you know what I'm saying? The second place where we see Mary is in John chapter 11. And Mary's brother Lazarus has died. And people sent for for Jesus when he was sick and said, if you'll come, he'll be healed. And Jesus was like, I'm just going to hang out here for a while. And, uh, and Lazarus dies. And he's been dead for four days because Jesus didn't show up. And so he comes to the city where Mary and Martha live to see them. And he's told his disciples, we're going to go wake Lazarus up, you know. Like, he's, he's already told his disciples the plan. But think of Mary and Martha. They love Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to start in verse 28. This is, Mar- Martha has already seen Jesus. Because, you know, she's always the one moving. She, she's in a hurry, and she is on it. So when she hears Jesus is out there, you better believe Martha's going to be the first one to be moving around and going to find Jesus, okay? So she's already done, met Jesus, had the interaction with him, and now she's coming to get her sister. Then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. Listen to this. So when Mary heard this, she quickly and immediately went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears And said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet, and all of her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said to him, where did you put him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. And then tears streamed down Jesus' face. So there's a second interaction where we see Mary. Where is she? At Jesus' feet. This time a little differently. First time she was, she was connecting with Jesus. She was listening to him. She was choosing that undistracted posture at his feet. And the next time we see Mary is when she's deeply grieving. When she's full of confusion 
when she is sad, when she has, is experiencing loss. And yet, where do we see her? At the feet of Jesus, weeping. Jesus goes on to raise Lazarus from the dead. By the way, we're not going to finish that story, but didn't want to leave you hanging there on the cliff. Uh, Jesus weeps, and then he goes and calls out Lazarus. And there's a beautiful resurrection, and everybody's minds are blown. Now, the next time you see Mary, and I know I probably knew this, but um, the week of Easter, I was, I was studying just kind of all kinds of things, and I, I saw this for the first time, that Mary, this Mary, is the one who brings the alabaster jar and breaks it over Jesus' feet. His feet. So like the next chapter, John, John chapter 12, six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. They had prepared a supper for Jesus, and Martha served, of course, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet, and then she wiped them dry with her long hair. And the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. And then people get upset, of course, because they say that she could have sold it and used the money to give to the poor. But Jesus says, leave her alone. She has saved it for the time of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Now, if you read, this is in, this is in the Gospels in several places. And so, the, like the one in Mark chapter 14 says that, they, that she came in, it doesn't say it's Mary, that she broke it over his head. And so people are always like, well, how, you know, did she break it over his head? Is it on his feet? Like, what's the deal? Um, and probably what's happening here is... Um, she has a liter of oil. And so if she breaks that over his head, it would have run all the way down to his feet. So it was like a full anointing. And this stuff was like amazing perfume. And so the reason that they say that, uh, you know, he was anointed for his burial, this is just six days before Passover. So you're only like a week out from his crucifixion. And, and, some of the, the commentators say that actually when, when they were nailing Jesus to the cross and putting the crown of thorns on, they would have been able to smell this on him still. That fragrance. And so here's Mary again. At the feet of Jesus, knelt before him, anointing him in extravagant worship and wiping his feet with her hair in like laid down love for Jesus. And I think that if we want to be people who live in the real freedom that the kingdom has to offer us, we have to have this position with Jesus. We have to have this heart and this, this posture of being bowed before the Lord, of being at his feet. When we choose the posture of being bowed before Jesus, whether it's in just undistracted connection, whether it's 
in our grief and our pain and our loss, or whether it's in extravagant worship, it produces a depth in us and it fans into flame the fire of God's presence in our lives. And that's what we're going for. Because if we're going to live out circles, lines, and tents with a burning fire in our home, in our gatherings, in our circles of friends, we have to live this life. And, and can, you, can you hear what I'm saying? I, what I am not saying is I am not trying to get you to work harder or to say you've got to get yourself together and live this life. I, it's, it's not about like working it up. It's saying, would you come before the feet of Jesus and lay down your life for him in every season, in every situation? Would you be willing to slow down and just connect with Jesus? Would you be willing in your pain to run to him rather than pull away from him? Would you be willing to extravagantly worship him with everything you have, not caring what anyone around you thinks about it? Would you have these moments of a laid down life at the feet of Jesus? Because when you do that, you will be transformed. He will do the work. See, sometimes we don't want to slow down because we know. We know when we stop and we're quiet that there's going to be things that Jesus brings up. So it's much easier to just be Martha and do all of the things for Jesus rather than just being with him. But can I tell you that over the last year and a half, as I have intentionally set aside time to say, I will be quiet and I will be still at the feet of Jesus for no other purpose than to just be with him and worship him for who he is And I know when I get still and quiet, Lord, I know that you're going to bring stuff up, but I'm willing to do it. For the last year and a half, as I have done that week after week after week, I have found the greatest joy in seeing all kinds of things crucified with Jesus. It's painful. I'm not going to lie. It's not fun to be like, ooh, that's in there. It's not fun to repent on our face before the Lord and have him point out places where you've wounded people or yourself. But when you do and you experience healing, it becomes the, the greatest treasure of your life because you're being transformed by the power of Jesus. And the greatest transformation will happen when you will slow down and be at the feet of Jesus, bowed low in surrender to him. It's from this place that we operate in freedom, that we operate in love, that we operate in honor in the way that it was intended. And so I want us to respond this morning
I really believe that God wants to do something powerful in some of you today. And I believe that there's going to be uh, three different types of responses. Some of you just need to reconnect. Some of you just need to like slow down for a minute and stop doing all the things for Jesus and just sit at his feet. Choose the best part. Be undistracted and listening to his voice. So some of you, that that would be the posture at Jesus' feet this morning. You just need to like say, okay, I'm just going to take a second and quietness and stillness and just be at the feet of Jesus, reconnect with him. The second one is some of you need to run to Jesus in your grief and in your pain and in your loss and in your heartache or your confusion, the trauma, whatever it is. There's some, there's some people in here who have gone through really hard things and you have chosen to pull away and carry it all yourself. And if you can learn something from Mary today, read that when Jesus says, go get Mary. The instant that Mary hears that Jesus has called for her, she quickly runs to his feet. And she probably had the right not to because they all had the same thing on their mind. If you would have been here. Some of you need to go to the feet of Jesus this morning and say, if you would have been there. And allow him to love you in in your pain. Go to the feet of Jesus where you can find comfort and also resurrection. I was praying last night. I felt like the Lord was just reminding me. He did something in me last night that was really powerful. But um, I just like... I felt like for some of you, um, you, you've had like a death of dreams. You've had a death of joy. You've had a death of like life in you. It's not necessarily a person. It's just like in your spirit, you have given up on something and laid it to rest. And I think if you would come to the feet of Jesus this morning, I heard him say last night, Where have you put it? Where did you put him? Because that was his response to Mary in all of her grief. He he looks at her about Lazarus and says, Where did you put him? And he goes and raises that man from the dead. There are some of you who have laid a dream to rest. You have laid a passion to rest. You have have just given up on something. And I just sense that the Lord this morning would say, where have you put it? Because he wants to come and resurrect it. Now, I'm not talking about bad things, you know, but some some of you are feeling it in your spirit. You know what I'm talking about. A call on your life. A dream in your heart that was birthed from the Holy Spirit. He wants to breathe life into that again this morning. 
And the third response is that some of you just need to come to the feet of Jesus in worship this morning, remembering all he has done. Isn't this the beautiful picture when you read Mary's story just back to back like this is you get, you only get three snapshots. We know Jesus spent way more time with her than this because they were, they were close. It said he was like, he really loved this family. Like they were his own siblings or whatever. But, uh, when you read these back to back, you see like, of course, Mary is the one spilling this stuff on Jesus because she's learned the art of sitting at his feet. She's connected with him. She's watched him raise her brother from the dead among, among other miracles. But she has this life where she's remembering all of these things and she just comes before Jesus and just spills it all out in extravagant worship. And I think some of you this morning in your response time, you might just need to remember the things that Jesus has done in you, the things that he's done for you, the things that he has resurrected, the things that he's healed, the miracles he's performed on your behalf, on your family's behalf, and let that move you to be at his feet and just say, God, you are so good and worthy, where you're just moved to extravagant worship before him. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to respond. Um, I should probably have good music. If you know what I mean. Good music. And we're just going to take a few minutes. What I'd like you to do is, I know not everyone's able, but if you want to, if you want to bow down or just like sit and maybe just like lean over a little bit, just take a posture of like saying, I'm going to come to the feet of Jesus this morning. And maybe it's that you need to slow down. You're welcome to come up here too, but you're welcome to stay in your seat. Maybe it's the slowing down and just reconnecting, putting away distraction and just remembering who Jesus is and and connecting with him. Maybe it's running to Jesus with your pain and your grief so that he can comfort you or so that he can bring resurrection to something that has died in you that shouldn't have. And maybe it's just to remember and dwell on the things that God has done and just worship him with everything you have. So I'm going to pray over you. We're just going to take a couple of minutes together and then I'll come back up and close. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the amazing life of freedom that you have for us in the spirit. And so this morning, God, we just come in in a posture of laid down life, bowed before you. Holy Spirit, come. Begin to work on our hearts as we connect. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. For your goodness, that you are so absolutely good. 
It's in your nature. It's not just what you do. It's who you are. And in your goodness, you will draw us into a life of freedom. And so, God, this morning, as we are bowed down before you, Lord, I pray that we would just have a heart of repentance. places where we've dishonored in places where we've made our freedom more about us than others Lord teach us to be a people an army of laid down lovers where we can be found at your feet being transformed and falling in love with you move in us today I declare life into your spirit right now. Come alive. Come alive again. Come alive to the voice of God. Come alive with the sound of promise. Father, I thank you that today there will be all kinds of amazing things springing up in every heart. Fresh life, joy springing up, hope. Love. you for your work in us that in your goodness and your kindness you lead us you love us you correct us you build us you grow us we love you Lord and we give you all the glory for our lives and your work Jesus' name. Amen.
or you, you can practice this at home. Did you know that? Get this nice instrumental music. You can find it on YouTube or whatever. And just take 10 minutes. Wasn't that good? But that wasn't even 10 minutes. But wasn't that good to just sit and be undistracted with our hearts fixed on Jesus? Do that. More than just here in your line. Do that in your home. Amen? I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week. Love someone on the way out, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday.